0: Oh, turn it up. your icon pass slash 50 plus speaking of, did you get your icon pass yet, Sean? I'm on iconpass.com dropping in right now. Wow, from just 259 adult. Okay, done. Our summer journey with the prophets of the Hebrew Bible has made me want to do anything but invite them along on my vacation. I was actually tempted this past week to text Pastor Jeff and ask if we could skip the sermon this week. Maybe an extra song or an early dismissal to brunch, I thought to myself. According to Professor Walter Brueggemann, the prophets, Old Testament, Hebrew Bible, and New Testament, and today, have two tasks. The first is to critique dominant thought, structures, and culture, and in doing so, announce God's destruction of what is unjust and oppressive. The second task is to use the prophetic imagination to energize and proclaim the good news of God's justice and new creation. They, the prophets, are with the second task are building up after tearing down The prophet Isaiah does the first part of his task with his love song turned parable of judgment. The Lord expects justice, but instead saw bloodshed, righteousness, but heard a cry. The prophet is calling attention to Israel's failure to live up to their expected standards. Isaiah drew his audience in with the smooth notes of a love song. Subtle inviting. But as the story unfolds, the per, the prophet prepares a sledgehammer. Let me sing for my loved one a love song of his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside, cleared away its stones, planted it with excellent vines, built a tower inside it, and dug out a wine vat in it. He expected it to grow good grapes, but it grew rotten grapes, What more was there to do for my vineyard than I haven't done for it? When I expected it to grow good grapes, why did it grow rotten grapes? Now, let me tell you what I'm doing to my vineyard. I'm removing its hedge so it will be destroyed. I'm breaking down its wall so it will be trampled. I'll turn it to ruin. It won't be pruned or hoed. The thorns and the thistles will grow up. In the Lord's eyes, remember the prophet's, are the earthly spokesperson for the Lord God. So in the Lord's eyes, Judah and Jerusalem, northern and southern kingdoms that made up Israel, had been well cared for and set up to be fruitful people. The Lord looked after them. The Lord had cleared away any stones that might prevent the fruit from growing. The nation was to be sweet fruit to the world, even if the world around them turned to to rotten Wild grapes, grapes of the winter, the Lord versus grapes gone wild. The Lord expected justice. The marginalized would be cared for, not exploited. The Lord expected justice. The people of Judah, Jerusalem, Israel, living into the law, they received from Mount Sinai the top 10 from the Lord after the Lord had led them to freedom from bondage in Egypt through the Red Sea. The people forgot who they were. The people forgot whose they were. It can be easy to look back on the words of the prophets of the Hebrew Bible and think their words. Isaiah's words, Jeremiah's words, Amos's words were for people back then, people, in Isaiah's case, of the 8th century. But the truth is that the words of the ancient prophets continue to speak a word of judgment and grace to the people of God today. And we'll speak a word tomorrow as well. Five years ago this week, just five years ago, two days ago, you understand the math I just did, right? The Unite the Right rally ripped through Charlottesville, Virginia. White supremacy has been front and center and acceptable to many ever since the polo, shirt-wearing, tiki, torch-carrying mob paraded through Charlottesville in the summer of 2017. White supremacy no longer under the whispered breath by relatives we see once a year. No, this is not your me maws. White supremacy. The rhetoric and violence in Charlottesville in August of 2017 showed a light on what white supremacy truly looks like, what their motives and agenda are. The rhetoric and violence in Charlottesville in August of 2017 showed a light on how we, us, well-meaning people who live in North Arlington who do the right things that we are supposed to do are guilty participants, active and passive, in a system that props up white supremacy by the purchases we make, the jokes we tell under our breath, the people we choose to involve in our lives, so much more. And their rhetoric shouted, In Charlottesville back in 2017 and in the political rhetoric shouted today, there is little focus on what the Lord would define as justice, as righteousness. Righteousness for many in Charlottesville in 2017 and still today has less to do with what the Lord expects of us and more to do with pandering to a certain political base or a certain individual The Lord expects justice, but instead sees an idolatrous addiction to weapons of war. Righteousness, but instead sees a pro-life movement that does not have the stomach to ensure a sustainable quality of life or dignity for all people. Now, I know what you're thinking. Pastor Tear, That is a biased analysis. You have oversimplified complex issues, reducing them to a four-sentence sermon illustration. I came here to hear good news. I didn't come here to hear a CNN conversation. Okay, I hear you. That's fair. Let's look, then, for another illustration. Throughout the pandemic, we've heard, even said, we're all in this together. It's like we all adopted a song from High School Musical. Was this a statement of fact or a cheap slogan to help hide the fact that the economic divide in our nation, in our own community, grew wider? Many of us were happy to stay at home and allow those who could not do so to deliver our groceries, our Amazon orders, the toilet paper we were hoarding, and takeout dinners. While I huddled behind a door secured with a fresh layer of disinfecting spray, it was all too easy to set a delivery timeline and click order. The lower middle class and low-income workers of our community bore the brunt of the pandemic's economic consequences, if not the health consequences. In contrast, others grew their income and their wealth, further dividing our community. Pushing people out of communities because the cost required to get by. The cost required to get by here where we live today, where our church is, is getting too high. The Lord expects justice, but instead sees portions of the community exploited or forgotten. Righteousness, but instead sees neighbors forgetting one another. Parables of Judgment. Whether from the Hebrew Bible or from the New Testament, from Jesus' own lips, these stories always feel like a smack on the nose, like a teammate launching a firm chest pass your way while you're playing basketball. But you're not ready. And instead of a quick layup, you end up with a broken nose and blood on your new sneakers. But the good, the good news in the doom and gloom of the parables of judgment is that judgment does not equal punishment. God does not tear down the walls of the vineyard and allow the beasts of the wild to trample the vineyard. Isaiah does not forget the second part of his prophetic task, that is to energize and announce good news of God's justice and new creation, the building up after tearing down. Later in the book of Isaiah, there's another story of a vineyard. Listen to these words. Sing about a delightful vineyard. I, the Lord, am its guardian. Every moment I water it, night and day I guard it from attack. I am not angry, but if it yields thorns and thistles for me, I will march into battle against it. I will torch it completely. Or let them cling to me for refuge. Let them make peace with me. Let them make peace with me. In the coming days, Jacob will take up root Israel will blossom and sprout and fill the whole world with its produce. Grace is getting the exact opposite of what we deserve. What we deserve for our idolatrous obsession with guns differs from what we get What we deserve for our failure to live up to the expectations that we love our neighbors, we love one another as much as we love ourselves, caring for the marginalized and forgotten is different than what we get. Judgment does come our way, but is followed quickly behind. If not a step ahead is the grace of God. The love of our Creator cannot be erased, forgotten, or undone, no matter what they have done, no matter what you have done. Jesus told a story about a vineyard. John 15, listen to these words. He said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vineyard keeper. He removes any of my branches that do not produce fruit. And he trims any branches that produce fruit so that it will produce even more fruit. You are already trimmed because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. A branch cannot produce fruit by itself but must remain in the vine. Likewise, you can't produce fruit unless you remain in me. There is nothing. Absolutely nothing that can undo the fruit already produced in you. Clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, new life because of the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, we have been set free from the ways we miss the expectations of God. And now we are free to seek justice, to live righteously, not because of our ability to do so. No, but rather because of Christ's righteousness, because of Christ's justice. Friends, this is not a free pass, though. This is not a free pass for discrimination, for theocracy, or to uh, exploit our neighbors. No, this is an invitation to seek justice and righteousness in all we do, not for the sake of ourselves, but because we have been found, we have been judged, all of us, and we were found guilty when our grapes went wild. But Christ assures us that the gardener is not done with us and has not given up on us. I offer this to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.